Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Despite the COVID craziness, I hope you're all finding some way to celebrate. I am so thrilled that today we actually have a special St. Patrick's Day episode highlighting one of my favorite whiskey companies, Teeling Whiskey. Teeling Whiskey is an Irish whiskey distillery located in the heart of Dublin that dates all the way back to 1782 and was re-established in 2012 by brothers Jack and Stephen Teeling. If you're a fan of whiskey, I can't recommend Teeling enough. They're known for their single malt and single grain whiskey, as well as for the innovative and unique ways they create cask finished blends. Robert Caldwell is a global brand ambassador for Teeling Whiskey and will be joining us today to share some of the Teeling Whiskey history and offer a breakdown of the whiskey making process. He'll also be sharing what led him to become a whiskey brand ambassador. I am so excited for you to hear from him, so you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. All right, so Robert Caldwell, you're the global brand ambassador for Teeling Whiskey, but the last time we spoke, you actually talked about your background. You're from Australia. You sort of grew up uh, all over the place, I guess. How did you get involved with, I guess, the whiskey history? Uh, Yeah, good question. Thanks, Catherine. Um, Well, first off, thanks for having me. Uh, I, yeah, I grew up in Australia. I grew up in a a tourist destination in Australia. It's the most easterly point of Australia, a town called Byron Bay. It's a very small location, you know, about 10,000 locals but about 30,000 backpackers that overturn on a weekly basis. So I met a, a lot of different people growing up. And uh, yeah, I went through high school, didn't, you know, pretty, pretty rudderless throughout uh, my education. Had an idea of what I wanted to do, but nothing more than that. Uh, and and uh, through sports and, and, and a few friends fell into working in bars. I played rugby and I actually started as a dorm and a bouncer. I was like, oh, this is terrible. I can't, like... <laughs> This is so boring. <laughs> so I very quickly moved into the bar and yeah, that was like 20, almost 20 years ago. And I just, yeah, fell in love. It took me around the world. I obviously went to Ireland. I obviously ended up in Ireland, but yeah, it's taken me to South America, England, Canada, uh, and a few other in between kind of bouncing around and all, all working behind the bar that entire time. Uh, worked in some really cool cocktail bars and, and whiskey bars and, and developed a passion for, for whiskey. Uh, so in 2011, after almost 10 years of solid nomadic existence, uh, <laughs> made the mistake of falling in love with an Irish girl and Irish whiskey and have been <laughs> here ever since. Well, that's amazing. So when did, uh, when did you make the move to Ireland and how long have you been there? Uh, it was... Around 2010, 2011, I was living in Manchester, so I'd moved from, I kind of, as I said, hopping around, I'd moved from London to Manchester and didn't, still didn't want to go back to Australia. I was looking for the next place, and uh, yeah, I mean, as you know, it's, Dublin's a, a pretty short plane ride from, from Manchester, 
came to Dublin, flew over for a day, met with a few people in a few bars, and uh, yeah, I was hooked. So I decided to stay for one year at the start, um, and yeah, had, had a few successes and have been here. Barring one year, we did we did move to Australia for one year, but uh, but Dublin is Dublin is, is home now, uh, and Ireland is home now. So we'll we'll probably stay here for forever. Definitely love Ireland, love it. <laughs> well, beautiful country. Oh yeah. So you're a global brand ambassador for Teeling, and I guess for anyone, possibly myself included, who doesn't quite know the entire details of a position like that, what exactly are you doing, and how are you representing the brand? Yeah, of course. Uh, so yeah, I met I met Jack and Stephen Teeling way back in 2012. Been a big fan of Teeling whiskey even when I didn't work for them. So uh, a friend of mine used to do this role. He called me and said, I, I'm going to put you forward for this. So I took a month off and uh, and just put together a presentation for the job interview for this role. Like it's, it's a dream job for me. Uh, as to the role, what the role is specifically, it, it used to be travel the world and drink whiskey and talk about whiskey. Quite glamorous, I know. Now a little different. Now it's sit in this room and talk about whiskey and and drink whiskey, but no, it's it's really exciting. The Irish whiskey category is growing so quickly. There's tons to talk about. There's tons of provenance and history. You know, I think the Scotch whiskey industry has kind of dominated this conversation, and, and obviously bourbon as well, or American whiskey as well. So uh, it's great to be able to tell like the hundreds of years of history of Irish whiskey as well as the future of whiskey with Teeling whiskey. Well, that's I kind of forget about how much of a baby the United States is in terms of when we were founded and established because Teeling, so if I'm correct, Teeling whiskey dates all the way back to 1782. Nice, nice research. Uh, <laughs> there, is, there are links back as far as 1782. So the, the ancestors of the uh, owners and founders of the Teeling Whiskey Company, Jack mm-hmm. and Stephen Teeling, a couple of brothers, they did uh, their ancestral roots and they found that there was a Walter Teeling distillery that established a Dublin distillery back in the, the kind of heyday or the first golden era of Dublin whiskey uh, in 1782. You're right. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, fast forward to modern day, the immediate family. So Jack and Stephen and their father have been distilling in Ireland since the 1980s. Yeah, Jack and Stephen have come in. Um, they took charge in 2012. What happened between now and then? Um, how have they expanded? Uh, the distillery is located right in the heart of Dublin. Mm-hmm. It is indeed. Yeah. So 2012 was an interesting one. It, it actually bled over from 2011. So Jack Teeling was running his formal distillery. He was running a, the Cooley distillery that was set up by his father. And, uh, and that distillery, or the two distilleries, Kilbegan and Cooley distilleries, uh, under the same banner, they were bought by Jim Beam, big American whiskey company. Mm-hmm. They came over to Ireland and, and wanted to buy an Irish distillery. So basically, Jack had you know wanted to stay in the whiskey industry. Whis- whiskey industry is in the Teeling family blood, so had every intention to stay in the whiskey industry. So they, in the deal over those two years, secured tens of thousands of barrels of whiskey, uh, moved it down the road, and then in 2012 started the Teeling Whiskey Company from. Uh, well, with whiskey from their previous distillery, and then start to evolve the Teeling Whiskey Company, the first uh, whiskey brand with the family name on. So in 
obviously the, the, those three years was obviously establishing the whiskey company with a, a few core or signature releases, as well as find and build a new distillery. So in 2015, uh, we started producing spirit again in the new market Teeling distillery. So the first new distillery in Dublin in 125 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, Irish whiskey, at least here in the States, it's pretty huge. And I'm interested because I I had done a couple of tours. You and I had last spoke. Um, we talked about uh, my many <laughs> trips to the Teelinga Distillery. And um, I've been to Jameson and, and several others, Guinness, uh, the Guinness Storehouse. So I was able to do a lot of those tours when I was over in Dublin. And it was so interesting and fascinating to learn. I think with just so many things. It's always interesting to learn how things are made, how things work. Um, if you will, would you mind giving a little breakdown as to the whiskey making process? Because I know there's a lot that goes into it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, all right, let me see if I can do this in, in five minutes. Uh, so essentially, <laughs> uh, you need three ingredients to make alcohol. You need uh, sugar, water, and yeast. So let's work backwards. So yeast is a, is a bacteria. It lives in water. It eats sugar. And as a byproduct, creates alcohol and carbon dioxide. So next is sugar. So depending on what sugar you use, what natural sugar you use, that depends on what alcohol you're making. So if you're using apples, you're going to first make cider, and then you're going to distill that. Uh, whereas wine, you're going to make, or grapes, you're going to make wine, and then distill that into cognac and brandy. But essentially, we're using grains. So your corn, your uh, barley, obviously, your rye, your wheat, all those kind of grains. And we are making beer at one point and then distilling that into whiskey. So basically, you need to extract the sugar. You grind up into a flour the grains, extract the husk, and just keep the starches and sugars. Use hot water to extract them like a porridge. Uh, then we add the yeast, so that bacteria lives in there, it eats the sugar, it converts the sugars into alcohol. At that point, we've got a rough uh, approximation of a beer. And then the next stage is where we kind of differ. So instead of putting hops in, what we're doing is extracting the pure alcohol. So if you think of that beer, uh, about 10% of the alcoholic volume, or the liquid volume, is pure alcohol. Uh, we need to extract just that. So the way that we do that is, and Alex is going to hate me for using this term, but but boil away the alcohol. Mm -hmm. So essentially, uh, and excuse me, um, I, I work in Celsius, and I, I, I'm terrible at Fahrenheit conversion, but same, you're uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> the boiling point uh, for water in Celsius is 100 degrees Celsius, but the boiling point for alcohol is 78.1. So all we need to do is get a big copper kettle uh, per se put the beer in and raise the temperature between those two limits, between 78 and 100. And like a kettle, like in your, in your shower, the steam that rises is alcohol. And then we condense that back down to a liquid and uh, through each, each pass of the stills, we get a higher and higher concentration of alcohol. And then the beauty of it in the whiskey industry is that it needs to spend minimum three years inside a, a wooden barrel. In Irish whiskey, we can use any type of wood. Uh, in other categories, they use you know, different classifications, but three years inside that barrel, breathing in and out of the wood, uh, like lungs or like a sponge, 
mm-hmm. taking with it the flavors of the woods, the flavors of the liquid that used to be in the woods, uh, and it molds and, and colors over time. And, and that's the, the well, that's the, the romance of it, I guess, is, you know, there's no scientific uh, process to it. It's it's just wait and see and see how it evolves and then blend it together and uh, it was an art form there. Right. So a minimum of three years in the cask? Yeah, in Irish and Scottish whiskey, yeah, wow. three, three years. It's different in American whiskey, uh, but in Ireland and Scotland, yeah, it needs to spend a minimum of uh, three years inside, uh, inside casks. Okay. And from what I'm trying to remember, you could have different types of like the wood finishings, I believe, and that can deliver, uh, I guess, a different taste. Uh, yeah, you're you're dead right, and uh, it's something that we we strive to to try and uh, discover. So uh, the the baseline, very simple line is that sixty percent of flavour uh, comes from the cask. Uh, obviously, your colour comes from the cask, but you can artificially colour. Uh, let's just put that aside for one second. Just focus on the flavour. So as the whiskey's kind of breathing in and out of the wood, yeah, a lot of the flavour. Uh, comes from that cast. I would say it's the biggest impact, but obviously you've got you know additional impacts like the grains that you use. If you use more corn than than barley, or you use a little bit of rye or things like that, that can have an impact. But by far and away, the the cast having a minimum three years can can be a huge impact. And we're finding that everything everything about these casts can affect the flavour in some way, from the size to the shape. Obviously, the amount of years that it's been in there. The environment, uh, obviously America has uh, far more fluctuating temperatures, so the, the hots are very hot, and, and like you're saying, or like you're seeing now, <laughs> the colds are cold, so the fluctuation in, in, uh, in temperature is greater. So in, in warmer climates, those wood, uh, the grains of the wood open up far more, and you have far more interaction, whereas when it's cold, it really constricts. Uh, in Ireland, it's a temperate climate, then you've got season casks, so the, the liquid that used to live within the wood, so your wines, your other spirits, your beers, and as we kind of evolve the, the alcohol industry, there's more and more of those casks. So just last year we used ginger beer, we've used pineapple rum, we've done gin before, we've done the myriad of different wines and beers, so we're always kind of trying to find the new and exciting flavors and how they, they mingle. And then finally, the really interesting one uh, for, for Irish whiskey specifically is we can use other woods as well. Like I said, there's a myriad of flavour uh, up until this point, but that's all oak. That's all just within the strain of oak. Uh, and that's what Scotland uses, whereas in Ireland we can use chestnuts, cherry woods, amberana, uh, acacia, and all these other myriad of, of, of hardwoods out there that you can uh, turn into uh, casks and then season and then shape and then uh, so there's, there's a lot of flavor that we're just beginning to scratch the surface of. Mm-hmm. And at Teeling, I think we've used up to 100 different casts now at this, at this stage. Wow. I, like, I <laughs> never would have thought of any of that. And it's funny because I feel like ever since the pandemic started, I've been really trying to at least pay attention to how things are made and what's in certain products. I mean, I've done the same thing with coffee. I've become like a little bit of a coffee connoisseur (laughs) during the pandemic. I'm like, Ooh, this is like cherry infused with cream and, and the same thing for whiskey and wine. And it's really interesting to learn the process because I feel like in the moment you don't really (laughs) think too much of it. Um, 
And then just with teeling, I, so you have the popular uh, small batch is um, sort of the, the holy grail product, if you will. Um, is there anything new and upcoming that they're working on? Yeah, I mean, if you look at what we're doing in Ireland, there's a lot. Obviously, it's not, we're a global company. We're in 70 markets now. Um, you know, we've won, won a lot of awards in a lot of international whiskey uh, competitions, but but in Ireland it's our home market, so there is a, a little bit more to offer uh, from the Teeling Range in in Ireland. Uh, for example, just last year I think we we released about six new products. Um, it was it was a it, for the first half of 2020 we were a bit worried about whether we should, um, and I think the first one we released because they were all made, they were ready to go. Like the whiskey industry is a marathon, not a sprint. You've got to think years, years in advance uh, because of that three years or minimum three years, you've got to be a little bit ahead of the game. So we had a few that were ready to go and it obviously got shelved because it wasn't the right climate to be releasing a new product. So we did one. We took one that was scheduled uh, for a small enough release in the distillery exclusively uh, in the the brand home. but we, we sold that and they gave all proceeds to to um, frontline workers, so hospitality workers, hospital workers, uh, nurses, doctors, things like that, uh, at, the, at the real height of our, our pandemic. Uh, and what we found was the response to, to actually having a new T-Link product was, was overwhelming. Uh, so we released uh, another one and it seemed to go from there. And we slowly started to get back on our feet and adjust to this new kind of uh, virtual world. So we were lucky in that regard that they were, you know, ready to go. Uh, but to your point, like the, the, the styles of whiskey release, that they have a goal and, and uh, a space in which they fit. I mean, I think reestablishing that Irish whiskey has been a blended whiskey for so long, like our small batch, it's a, it's a blended whiskey. That's what a lot of people responded to from the Irish whiskey category for a long period of time throughout the 80s and 90s, where you know, the whole category was was dominated by Jamison. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to move away from that, as well as reintroducing everybody or reminding everybody that Irish makes single malts. We do some fantastic single malts that that uh, compete with a lot of the premium scotches in the world. Teeling Whiskey won world's best single malt at the World Whiskey Awards. So reminding people that you know, we make that style of whiskey. There's single grain whiskies, which are a little bit more structurally similar to American whiskies. Ours particularly is a large percentage of corn, like bourbon, but uh, it's aged in Californian Cabernet Sauvignon casks. Mm-hmm. And then we have a category called single pot still, which is the only uniquely Irish style of whiskey. So that style of whiskey can't be made uh, anywhere but Ireland. So there's, there's a lot to, to work with, a lot of framework to work with in. Uh, and we just try and uh, come up with new and exciting uh, different flavors of the whiskey. Uh, as for new, there's always something new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all of that sounds absolutely lovely. And that was one of the things that I had really loved about when I had toured at the distillery is at the end, of course, you get your samples, you get to try the whiskey <laughs> out. Um, but in addition to trying uh, just a shot of the whiskey, we were also able to have a cocktail. And I think that's really interesting because I think on our last call, we had talked about that as well. 
you know, whiskey isn't just something to be, I mean, it is something to be consumed in just a glass and it's great, but there's also different ways you can jazz it up. And, um, I think two, or at least just for me, um, my first, I guess, thought of whiskey was, oh, it's, it's a guy's drink. It's very much a guy thing, but it's really not. I mean, ladies can have a glass, but then you could also make it a fun cocktail and you could do different things with it. Hmm. Well, I, th- I think that's the, the beautiful thing. And another beautiful thing about Irish whiskey is that because, you know, we were almost gone for a few few years there where Irish whiskey kind of plummeted, that traditionalist uh, mentality isn't there anymore. And the, the, the demographic or the people that are enjoying Irish whiskey today a lot younger, uh, a lot more feminine, like you said, and a lot of people coming to whiskey in general through Irish whiskey. Irish whiskey can be very, very approachable, like very fruit forward, uh, sweet, but not overbearingly so. Your orchard fruit sweetness, pears, apples, peaches, uh, that kind of sweetness. Uh, yes, there are smoky versions of Irish whiskey. We have one in particular, but but it's not, it's not a, de- a defining characteristic. You know, they're, they're, a lot of people are coming to Irish whiskey. And then, like you said, it's not just this is how you have to drink it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's no prescriptive way to drink Irish whiskey. You can enjoy your whiskey neat uh, on, on ice with some soda water or tonic water in a cocktail, in a tiki cocktail with a ton of different things, a punch. Uh, there's, a, there's a number of ways that people are enjoying Irish whiskey, and, and we're all for that. As long as it's, uh, they're enjoying it, then, then we're doing a good thing. Definitely. Yeah, I love that. And I'm excited to see, you know, new things coming out with St. Patrick's Day coming up next month. Um, is there anything in the works? Does Teelings release anything around St. Patrick's Day? Do they do any fun and exciting things? Yeah, I mean, it's been tough. I mean, this is our first. So Patrick's Day last year it was so close to when when everything kind of happened. It was more of a shock to the system, so we weren't we weren't able. I remember I was due to leave. I had plane booked, I had uh, bags packed, and I was about to leave the door for three weeks to a month, I think, uh, over like four countries: Belgium, France, and England. Uh, oh, and then yeah, there was England twice, and uh, yeah, that was around you know pre St yeah. Patrick's Day, Patrick's Day proper, post St Patrick's Day. There was a lot of activation planned, and I got. Rounded the day I was supposed to leave, um, so it was you know it was very close to St Patrick's Day, so we didn't have any 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 time to plan anything. This year, however, a little different. Uh, you know, we're still in lockdown here in Ireland. It doesn't look to be changing. Uh, bars won't open again until most likely after Easter now. Um, so we wanted to bring that sense of community, that that sense of celebration of St. Patrick's Day to an online forum, but it's, it's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do, you, how do you do a St. Patrick's Day parade <laughs> in, online? Um, but we've got a couple of ideas. We have some distillery-exclusive whiskey, so whiskeys that would normally be only available in the distillery, so you can pick up a, a package of those and get them sent to your house. That looks to be... Um, we'll start with that. A little bit of music on a, on a virtual platform as well. Uh, we have uh, the other end of the spectrum. So we, as I said earlier, we, we work with different companies that give us casks, so like beers. 
So what we did, we partnered with a local brewery. We gave them casks. They aged a beer and those whiskey casks and then gave the cask back to us, which will inevitably be a beer-finished whiskey. So a little bit of collaboration, some some uh, some community uh, collaboration there. So sure. we'll, we'll probably package that in the kits. And I mean, it, it's tough. Like, what do you do? No one wants to do yet yeah. another Zoom call. <laughs> so you want to balance that by give them something interesting and unique and celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but also not take up too much of their time and, and maybe get them away from the computer after an hour, hour mm-hmm. and a half. Right. Well, that's another thing I wanted to bring up. Are you doing any virtual tastings with this whole pandemic going on? I know it makes things really difficult, but I feel like it's also a little new and definitely a time for innovation and creative thinking so have you been working on any tastings is the is tealings yeah, doing I mean, anything with that we, we try and do two or three a month uh, like, like large-scale ones um so obviously target to the whiskey fan so something that is purely a, a series of our, our premium whiskeys uh, we do something a bit fun and lighthearted. So for Valentine, Valentine's Day, they're just gone. A friend of mine, uh, she's in the bar industry here, Jillian Boyle, and I did a couple's cocktail masterclass. So we sent out a cocktail kit mm-hmm. and then jumped online and we talked them through how to make different cocktails. So that was a bit of fun, a little bit different, you know, kind of whiskey tasting. Right. Uh, try and change it up and do things a little differently. We have that uh, the beer that I launched that, that we talked about for St. Patty's Day. It's called mm-hmm. Green with Envy. So that'll be a nice kind of uh, a chat online with the beer and the whiskies and, and how they pair, uh, like your Boilermaker. And then uh, obviously a bit of music will be good for that one. We've, we've talked a few. Uh, we're, we're doing one next week on on the the influences of, of the casks. So. Like your wine cask, for example, mm-hmm. like we're, do, we're doing um, a Muscat, uh, an Australian Shiraz, and a Madeira. So these are different wine products. So we got the whiskies influenced by those wine products and the wine products themselves. So people can taste the whiskey and then they can taste the Australian Shiraz or the Madeira uh, as a product and see how they influence the whiskey. Um, so a little bit of education, a little bit of uh, fun and trying to keep things different. <laughs> Uh, while sure. also being engaging. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Robert, I always like to ask, um, conclude by asking, with this being handling it, has there been a piece of advice or a lesson that you've learned along the way? Maybe it's something you've learned during this pandemic with working virtually and remotely. Um, has there been something you've learned along the way that's really helped you handle your life? Yeah, for sure. So with my job in the past, it was a very solitary experience. It'd be country to country, a lot of empty hotel rooms and and solo flights and things like that. So I thought I'd be equipped to, to working from home. It'd be, you know, no real real difference. But um but I think my one key takeaway is is reminding myself to, to reach out to people and talk to people. I think we took we take that that interaction and that community, we took it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we, we kind of maybe get bogged down a little bit of the anxiety of the situation, the uncertainty of the situation. Um, and yeah, just reaching out to people and talking to people. I know we can't go meet them for brunch or coffee or, or even a whiskey, 
but just reaching out to them, call them, have a chat, have these chats, mm-hmm. uh, and just get that interaction and, and, and chat with people. Uh, don't forget to, to reach out to them. You know, I, I think we're all guilty of like, oh, no, I won't call them. They don't want to hear from me. <laughs> they 100% do. Yeah. <laughs> reach out to your friends, touch base with your family, uh, see how they're getting on, and, and yeah. And well, and it. Yeah, that's great, great, great advice because I think, especially right now with this pandemic, um, I know that over there in Ireland and in the UK and parts of Europe, the lockdown is a lot tighter than it is here in the States, which is probably a good thing in some ways um, in terms of stopping the spread. But I know with that said, like it can get really, really lonely and it's so important to just be in contact with people. And like you said, it's easy to think like, oh, what's a text or what's a phone call going to do? But it really, it really can mean the world to somebody. So um, that's great advice going forward as we continue to power through this pandemic. (laughs) Well, cheers. Well, thank you very much for having me. it's been a, it's a great chat. Like I said, these, these are important too. catching up with people in different parts of the world and, and remembering that we are all going, going through this. You know, it's not centralized in one location. Everywhere is, is experiencing this, this craziness. Definitely. Well, and then with that said, I am so excited to see these new and upcoming things coming out of Teelings. I highly, just highly recommend it. I love the small batch. I have a couple mm. bottles in my house. Um, it's one of my favorites and I guess just in terms of where people can find, uh, the whiskey, where they can follow along, um, where would they be able to do that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's dependent on, on where you are in, in the U S. Um, obviously your, your total wines and binnies and, and things like that, those, those big stores were in a lot of those places and, uh, our big markets are like California, Obviously, Massachusetts, uh, New York, Florida, uh, Illinois, but we're always growing. So it's always, the more people that are asking about Teeling Whiskey, the, the easier it get, uh, it becomes to get into each of those different states. I think I, I went to Texas for the first time there in 2018. It was really exciting to see Irish whiskey growing in, in Texas, which I guess the knee-jerk reaction would be that it, it might not succeed, but it was doing really well. So, yeah, I mean, we're still... still uh, Got plenty of work to do. I think it's exciting to hear that we're, you know, we're growing in, in you know, Ohio and, and Oregon and uh, and places like that too. So yeah, the more more we grow, um, but yeah, the, the simple answer is that it's, it's very state specific mm-hmm. uh, with the, the system over there. But definitely go to you know your, your total wines or or the, the bigger retailers and, and ask about Teeling whiskey. Uh, we are. Imported by Bacardi over there. Bacardi is invested in our company, so uh, so we're not going anywhere anytime soon. And they're they're really helping us grow the brand identity in the United States. So uh, as we grow, the the, the easier it'll be to find small batch and and our single malts and the black bits and and the whiskeys that that are there. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to follow along personally. So wishing <laughs> everybody all the best with it. It'll be exciting to see. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's been great chatting with you. Okay, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Robert and learning about Teeling Whiskey. 
I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate St. Patrick's Day than with a conversation on Irish whiskey, and I am so glad we had Robert on to share a little bit about the industry. So if you're interested in trying Teeling Whiskey, and I highly recommend that you try it out and do a little at-home tasting, you can use the link in the episode description to check out some of their products. So thank you to Robert so much for coming on, and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast, and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.